0: And now, another Oprah and Friends exclusive. You've heard her on Oprah's Soul Series.
1: It takes a fearless spirit to live in the mystery.
0: Now it's your turn to talk to spiritual adventurer and author, Elizabeth Lesser. Or your questions and comments on a new earth, please call 866 Oprah xm now. That's 866 Oprah xm 866-677-2496. Now, live on Oprah and Friends, it's Elizabeth Lesser.
1: Welcome. I'm so glad you're joining me tonight for A New Earth After Show. This is a show designed exclusively for you, the Oprah and Friends listener on XM 156. Yeah, this is a radio show for people who have been using XM Radio to access Oprah and author Eckhart Tolle's amazing web class that happens every Monday night based around Eckhart's book, a new earth. Oprah chose this book several months ago for her book club and since then it has just been a phenomenon, a publishing phenomenon. Millions of copies of the book have sold and then of course several million people are tuning in each week to the webinar and you're listening to it on XM radio and now you have a chance to call in and continue the conversation. You can speak to me. I'm Elizabeth Lesser. I'm your host for the next hour. Call me at 866 Oprah xm 866-677-2496. And if you've missed any of these radio shows or you've missed any of the webcasts, you can go to Oprah.com and you can listen to it right there, watch it right there, download it, and you can um, access it via your Your iPod through Podcasts and New Earth After Show is now available to download for podcasting. You can go right to Oprah.com and look for the iTunes logo and uh, listen from there. So there's a lot of ways for you to access anything you might have missed from this, what we're calling the largest classroom on Earth. Tonight, people were Skyping in from Germany and Canada and all over the U.S., Just like every week, it's a worldwide community. So I hope you'll join that community. We have um, tonight's class, and then we have next week's class. And then that will have been 10 amazing weeks of gathering together around the concept that Eckhart teaches in his book, A New Earth. Um, Just 10 weeks ago, Oprah asked me to help her put this curriculum together based on the work I've done through my institute called Omega Institute. It's America's largest retreat and conference center dedicated to books and teachers like Eckhart Tolle. We're in Rhinebeck, New York. And I'm also an author. I've written The Seeker's Guide and Broken Open, How Difficult Times Can Help Us Grow. And that's been what I've been bringing to help Eckhart and Oprah creating this, this new curriculum. It's um, something never done before. This many people joining together around a spiritual teaching like what is in a new earth. So tonight's chapter, what Eckhart and Oprah were just talking about, chapter nine, Your Inner Purpose. Eckhart writes, your life has an inner purpose and an outer purpose. Inner purpose concerns being, and that's the primary purpose. Outer purpose concerns doing and is secondary. And you know, that is not an easy concept for us 21st century people to get. We are so focused on doing, 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 doing. You know, you go somewhere and someone says, What do you do? And so you say, This is what I do. I'm a mom, I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, I'm an author. People are very, we're all very concerned with what we do, and we have very little time in our day to sink below the level of doing and ask the question, well, who am I? And what even animates my doing? Who am I if the doing falls away? And in some ways, we're kind of afraid to slow down and ask that question because we don't even have an answer to it. We're so used to explaining who we are by doing. Uh, Like, what, what meaning would my life have if I wasn't my job or the parent of my kids? But Eckhart says that unless you're in touch with your inner purpose, your sense of who you are, your connection to the life force that animates your doing, unless you're in touch with that, You're never gonna be satisfied. There's always this sense of dissatisfaction. Let me play a clip from him speaking tonight about this sense of dissatisfaction that often animates everything we do because we're out of touch with our inner purpose. Listen to this.
0: The present moment is sacred. When you really bring attention to it, and then it doesn't matter where you are, you can be in a building, you can be out in nature, you can be in the middle of a traffic, And you really bring your attention to this moment and you realize there is a sacredness here. You may be able to feel it more deeply when you're out in nature than in the middle of L.A. freeway, but even there, it can be sensed if you are present enough. And there, that's love. Love arises. And if you're doing something, you're total in what you do, not obsessed, not wanting the future more than you want the present, Mm -hmm. but totally wanting the present, then, yes, you love what you do, and that is true love. And anybody who embodies that energy is creating the new earth.
1: Love, to me, is another word for inner purpose. You know what it feels like when you're really loving what you're doing? That sense of love, of being alive, fully alive and and connected to what you're doing, Love is another word to me for inner purpose. I was thinking about this this week when I I bought a book that I read when I was young to give to a young woman I know graduating from high school. It's a book by the Lebanese author Khalil Gibran called The Prophet. I bet a lot of you have read that book. It it was written in the early 20th century. And um, Khalil Gibran says a beautiful thing in it. He says, work is love made visible, and if you cannot work with love but only with distaste, it's better that you should leave your work and sit at the gate of the temple and take alms of those who work with joy. That's inner purpose, the ability to love what we do. Here's someone else who talks about love as being the force that can animate our outer purpose. It's uh, the... The musician, the composer, Mozart, now he is someone who when you think of Mozart and his music, you think, now here's a guy who knew what his outer purpose was. And so um, he says, neither a lofty degree of intelligence nor imagination nor both together go to the making of genius. Love, love, love. That is the soul of genius. So, love, loving what? What? What would we have to love in order for our outer purpose to feel meaningful to us? Life. Life itself. When we are in a state of actually just appreciating and loving the life we have been given, if we're really alive to that, no matter what we're doing in the moment, becomes our purpose. And Eckhart was talking tonight about if you actually make a practice of staying aware, deeply aware of the beauty of each moment, no matter what's going on, and you do that as a practice day after day, you will grow into the kind of work you have always wanted to do. So if you want to talk to me about Chapter 9, which is inner purpose, and outer purpose, I welcome you to call. If you want to talk to me about anything you've been reading in A New Earth that puzzles you or awakens you, please call me at 866 Oprah, xm and that's 866-677-2496. Tonight we have Karen on the line, and you have a related question regarding your inner and outer purpose. Thank you for joining me. Hi.
2: Thank
1: you. Hi um
2: yeah i I am not in a job uh, that I love right now, but i've I've kind of come to accept it as what is. Um, and I'm just wondering, as far as you know getting into to a new job or or a new um, way of life, is it just a matter of kind of giving up the expectations that you have for your life or where you think you should be and then, Entering into the silence and waiting for that intuitive impulse to take action—is there really anything more to it? Because I've been in my job for over two years, and I, you know, I really, I haven't really liked it since the day that I started. Um, and I, I, I just, I feel like I've, I've come a long way since day one, but I, I still sort of feel stuck,
1: mm-hmm. and I
2: don't know if there's something else I should be doing or
1: hmm Well, your question is the question on all of our lips. And uh, first of all, I want to say that we can't really ever figure this out by our mind, because it's, uh, it's one of the great conundrums of life. Uh, what is my outer purpose in the world? And Eckhart would say, and I've experienced this in my own life, that if you try to figure that out, Uh, with your mind, like, is this job the job I'm supposed to have for the rest of my life? A lot of anxiety starts to rise up, and you start to feel pressured, like, I have to make this decision now. Life is passing me by. And the way to deal with that is to actually become fully present in whatever you are doing. Can you share with us what your work is? I'm a receptionist at a real estate company. Uh Uh-huh. And what... And what part of your work, when you're there, do you enjoy? Is there any part of it that you can actually feel that sense of, like, love of life that I was talking about before uh, it, it, within you when you're in work every day?
2: Um, well, I, I don't have a whole lot of responsibility, so um, I do get to go online, and I often... <laughs> Rewatch the New Earth classes, or uh-huh. I, listen to, like, yeah. I listen to a lot of Hay House radio. Well, that's
1: not really your work. When people call in, if you're a receptionist, so I imagine you're answering the phone, right? Right. And when people call in, um, do you ever have an opportunity to just suddenly be feeling when you're talking to them, my goodness, I'm talking to another human being who's having a day? Do you ever feel yourself really connecting to those people? Sometimes.
2: Mm -hmm. Not all the
1: time. (laughs) Yeah, I would say, instead of worrying about, is this my life purpose? See if you can really connect fully with the people who call in. See if you can be energized by them, connect to their humanness, and and see if you have something to give them, even if it's a tone in your voice. And um, bring meaning to whatever you're doing. And instead of avoiding what you're doing by going online and listening to recaps of A New Earth, which is a wonderful thing to do, but that's not really being fully present with the job at the moment. I'm not saying that means your purpose in life is to be a receptionist for an insurance company for the rest of your life, but i do truly believe and have experienced what Eckhart was saying tonight. If you can really be with the people on the other end of the telephone and really really be with them and not want to be somewhere else and you can, and you have to practice, it isn't going to happen in one day, you do it over and over and bring your fullness into your job now, your real uh, outer purpose will begin to unfold the presence you bring to the job right now will begin to inform you about your next steps. Oprah just walked into the room, and um, Karen's saying that she works as a receptionist in an insurance company and is feeling bored, and is this really her job, and what should she do? Do you have anything to say to her? I think what you're saying is great. I think that's really great. I think
3: that in addition to, to that, though, Karen. Hi, Karen. How are you doing? Hi, Oprah. Hi. Did you watch tonight's episode? I
2: did. It, it was, was wonderful. It was, Thank you. It was fun tonight.
3: Um, in addition to that, uh, bringing your, as, as you were saying, as I just walked in and I was listening to you say that, I was saying what we all have experienced in every walk of life, whether it's uh, a person at McDonald's doing the fries or It's the person who's behind the counter when you pick up your laundry. We have all experienced people who were fully there, so much so that then that is the person you want to go to every time you go to get your laundry. You want to make sure you go to that person. Or the next time you go to McDonald's, you're looking for that person because of the way they, um, because of the presence that they brought to that moment. And so the same thing can happen with you on the phone So that every time somebody calls, they hear that thing in your voice. They hear the same thing you have the ability to bring to your job as a receptionist. The same presence with the same amount of force, power, energy as Cher and Tina Turner do bring to what they're doing on stage.
1: That's right. And what may come out of that? The two things can come out of it. One, just the great gift Of your showing up does for you for your own inner life and growth and the other thing as Eckhart was saying tonight is the owner of your company walks by and hears you on the phone and say wow who is this star or somebody
3: calls up and say why are you on the phone why are you doing this that's how you get noticed that's how you get discovered how you move to the next level for yourself is exactly what I was saying about the third grade when you are the best in this moment now but when you're just sort of uh, phoning, literally phoning it in, uh, <laughs> people know when you're phoning it in. And so you don't get noticed. You know, the cream always rises to the top. And whenever you are excellent, it does not matter what you are doing. Doesn't matter what you are doing. I wish I remembered to say this tonight. People notice it. That's you get right. noticed and people pay attention.
1: Yeah, Karen, I think we just like really went on a little wrap here about what that chapters really about. How, does that have meaning for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean,
2: so so all I have to do is be present. I mean, theres there's nothing else. That I Yeah,
3: you br- no, you give it. Be- and being present means means bringing one hundred percent of yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're using the word present almost as if it's an idea. Yeah, but no. it's very simple. You pick up the phone and you say hi in the name of your insurance company, and the person on the other line. You really talk to that person. You feel into that person, and you bring yourself to that person. And for all you know, that person is going through some awful thing, and you could end up healing that person. What you do with that person could be just as important as everything that happened tonight between Oprah and Eckhart and the million people listening. And I'm not being facetious saying that. It is really true. Your job is enormously important if you bring all of yourself to it. And
3: that having, having said that, Karen...
1: If you do this for
3: a while, bring yourself 100% there, give 100% of yourself and you still hate it, then that is a way of informing you that you need to move to something else. Mm-hmm. But you can't really know how much you hate it if you're not 100% showing up for it.
1: That's right. I mean,
3: I used to do, you know, as a reporter, I was 100% there and still hated it. I knew that, that that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. This is not how I'm supposed to be using my voice to but think about But you never
1: but you once you left you didn't have to go through the guilt and the wondering, did, it, should I, did I make the right decision? Because you had brought all yourself to it. You knew you had burned it all the way out by the time you left. This is exciting,
3: because just watch and see what happens when you bring 100% yes. of yourself to it. Just,
1: just, just exactly. do it for a week.
3: See what's going to happen.
2: Can I ask you a question, Oprah? Sure. How did you know... Where to go next after you left your television job? When you say you knew you didn't want to be there, even though you were being fully present. So how did you know? Well, what happened? What
3: happened was um, I basically got demoted, kind of fired on the job. I was doing the six o'clock news, and uh, that's the big, you know, Kahuna job, the six o'clock anchor. And uh, they took me off the six o'clock and said they were going to put me on the early morning cut-ins and weekends. And they were just trying to wait till my contract ran out, and I t- applied for other jobs at other stations, and nobody would give me a job. And I really had gone to the place of, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what's going to. Ha- I don't know what's going to happen to me, and surrendered that the idea of knowing what was going to happen to me because I tried to get other jobs and it wasn't working, and nobody was. Paying attention to me, I got turned down at WPVI in Philadelphia. I got turned down in Atlanta. I got turned, which now I remind all those people that they turned me down. But, um, and then I went through a period of where I was just sort of in limbo, uh, in my contract, making twenty two thousand dollars a year, and they were holding on to me, but were going to get rid of me. But I was content to know that I don't. I'm not quite sure what's going to sh- what's going to happen next. And there was, they started this morning talk show and asked, "Would I, uh, would I sit in on this morning talk show?" And in that instant, that day, everything changed
0: for me.
1: Karen, we're going to play a clip from Eckhart that's perfect for this, and thank you for calling.
0: Life is an adventure. It's not a package tour. When you travel, you can take a package tour and everything is already planned, there's no uncertainty, (laughs) and every year you go to a nice hotel room, a more exotic country, but you won't even know it's exotic because your hotel room is the same as every other hotel room. Everything is planned, you know beforehand where you're going to be in 10 days' time, exactly. That's not an adventure, and it's unlikely that you are going to evolve internally through a trip like that. But if you went into a true trip into some exotic country, thrown back on your own resources, then you would encounter true adventure and you would probably not be the same person when you come back. Why not? Because we are constantly faced with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. If everything were already clear to you now, everything were already mapped out, there would be no evolution of yourself. One of the most wonderful things is to make mistakes. Yeah. Because mistakes means you realize, oh, that wasn't my purpose.
1: Yeah, so for Karen and many people who- uh, like her, so many of us are in this situation where you're not happy with what you're doing, you know it's time to leave, and the fear of not knowing where to go next keeps you from saying a big yes to the adventure.
3: Yeah, release the fear. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is release the fear. Surrender to um, the universe, surrender to God, surrender to the divine, whatever you want. What name you choose to call it doesn't matter because it doesn't care about the name because it doesn't have an ego, Mm -hmm. God doesn't have an ego. Um, If you surrender to it. (laughs) I like that, God doesn't have an ego. God doesn't have an ego. So he's not hung up on what you call him.
1: Uh, That's really good, Oprah.
3: Well, thanks. (laughs) Uh, uh, When you surrender to it, uh, the possibilities uh, and the synchronicities and the coincidences and, oh, a friend heard about something over here or somebody notices you, things show up. If you have, you know, I I always say it comes down to do you believe, what do you believe? Do you believe that the universe is compassionate and loving and supportive or do you believe that it's against you? I believe that it's for us all Mm -hmm. and it's waiting for all of us to do is exactly what I was talking about tonight. There is a flow to your life and to everyone's life who is listening to us right now. There is a flow. You must find the flow and you find the flow through your inner purpose. And when you find the flow, things flow. They just really open up and fall into place for you, and you don't have to struggle.
1: And that doesn't mean that if you decide, you know what, there's no way my inner purpose is ever going to sync up with this receptionist job is. It's time for me to leave. Right. It and then you leave without knowing what you're going into next. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be tra la la flow easy. You may go into a period where you really don't know what you're doing and it and it's tough and sometimes the the real white water River rafting to use Eckhart's analogy of an adventure. Yeah, Sometimes the the thrill of not knowing what you're doing, which can feel actually very scary, that's where a lot of the great learning happens. For myself, I know some of the biggest transitions where I left something stable, for example, my m- first marriage. And I didn't know where I was going. I didn't leave one person to be with another. I just left because I knew it was time. That enormous uncertainty and having to train myself to remain comfortable in uncertainty was the greatest learning of my life because there's nothing certain about our life. We we don't know what's happening around the corner. Anything could happen at any moment. To train ourselves to be comfortable with the general uncertainty of life itself, is the key to freedom and happiness.
3: That's well said, Miss Lesser.
1: <laughs> Not as good as God has no ego. God has that no ego. That gets the prize for tonight. <laughs> um, if you want to call us, please call 866 Oprah xm That's 866-677-2496. And we have Catherine on the line. Welcome to A New Earth After Show. We're glad you're joining us. Hi. Hello. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Yes, hello. What
4: did, What would you like to ask us? I would like to ask, I am, uh, I have always been divinely guided from within, and I feel I've been aligned, and sometimes I doubt it, and I have uh, an opportunity to move and to relocate, and I took a ride to Georgia where my one daughter lives. I interviewed with some a um, uh, real estate. I found a very beautiful home. Everything is flowing, but my two daughters who love me uh, are in great resistance to my relocating.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And I am feeling the element of doubt in my heart, and I, no- I need to clarify, am I coming from an ego base, or am I coming from... Alignment with divine purpose.
1: Well, um, you know, this is not something that we're going to be able to solve for you tonight, because it sounds like a long, complicated family story, and we all know how they are. But I I do want to ask you, are you moving there to be with your kids? Um, In one
4: aspect, yes, I am.
1: Would you move to that town if they weren't there?
4: It's very possible. Yes, I would.
1: Mhm.
3: Well, what is the intention behind your move?
4: My intention is to be in a more beautiful surrounding, uh, and closer to one of my two daughters and closer to my grandchildren.
3: Do, is that what they want? Do they want you yes. to be there?
4: Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Either one and both are in in a, a level of affluence that I have not in the past been able to achieve. But in my heart, I feel I would have never manifested the home and the flow would have never taken place as it is.
1: Mm -hmm. And I need to make it. You know, if you decide to move there, if you decide to go, you're going to need to decide to go because you want to be there. And you need to get comfortable with the fact that if you move there and your daughter's, are not quite as clear as you are about wanting you to be there, you may be um, walking into a difficult time. You just have to really accept what's coming from them as real. It's as real as your desire to move there. You've got to really like, um, like. Uh, I, at some point in A New Earth, Eckhart talks about um, r- loving people is, is, it, is accepting them as being as real as you are. So if you really love your daughters and you want to be with them and what's coming to you from them is resistance, you have to really respect and honor that. And and have you been honest with them and had a real conversation with them, not a theoretical one, like just a real clear question to them about, are you comfortable with me moving here? Why not? Or why? I wouldn't pick up and move to be near my own kids and in fact my own kids live in california and i'm thinking about this all the time myself now so i know what you're going through but if your kids are giving you the message i need we hey maybe we need some space you got to really honor that and respect that and also what is
3: also very clear is that always and you would know this since you say that you've been divinely guided all your life is that the outcome or the effect of what's going to happen is going to directly reflect what your intention is. And so if you're moving there for any reason other than the purest of reasons that you've explained to us, what is behind that intention is what's going to show up in the end. And so if, it's, if you're moving in peace and you're moving because you just want a beautiful environment and you just really want to be near your grandkids and it's not out of an ego or control or desire to prove anything then it will be fine it will Mm -hmm. be fine if not if there whatever is behind the intention is what's going to show up in the outcome
1: yeah thank you for calling i hope that helped hi this is elizabeth lesser and um i'm here at xm talking with oprah and we're taking your calls and questions regarding a new earth and we have mary on the line welcome hi mary hi
5: elizabeth hi oprah hey hi um, I'm trying my best to be present and conscious in every moment in my life. Um, I have a person, an in-law in my family who has emotionally and physically hurt people in my family and people I care about. And when I come in contact with this person, everything I'm trying to do just like goes out the window. I identify with my anger.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And I'm trying to find a way in order to find peace and to be able to be in a situation with this person because his family is trying to rally around him you know to be supportive
1: so this this is a person who's in your immediate family who, who you can't just walk away from. this is a person who you're in a relationship with that 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 is this person hurting you directly? Well, in the past, they have hurt me emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and why yeah. why do you need to stay connected to this person? It's in my immediate family, you know, mm-hmm. situation where I'm
5: going to end up at someone's house and this person's going to be there.
1: Mm-hmm. So what's your question about
5: this? Um, how do I, I guess, how do I deal with the anger that I feel and not identify with it? To be that, you know, as Eckhart says, you know, like the storm could be on the surface, but to stay calm and Mm -hmm.
1: well. Well, um, one way is to deeply understand that your anger toward this person is not going to help resolve anything, unless um, you are actually going to do some some action, like not see the person anymore or confront the person if really the the status quo in your family is that you gotta see this person and you're not going to confront this person the anger you have about the past because it sounds like it's anger about the past is this true well it's actually
5: anger about the past and the present because this is someone who's not accepted responsibility
1: mm-hmm. for the things they've done well your anger toward this person isn't going to help uh... this person change actually um... the best way to deal with difficult people is to model in your relationship with your family and this person the way you would like this person to be So it's difficult it's very difficult to do this but to shower as much acceptance and love on this person that you can because that has much more transformative effect on someone than being angry and you don't do that like and let someone walk all over you but to have a dignified yet loving relationship with this person you don't have to get all involved and talk to this person and and but you will be doing yourself and this person and the whole family a big service by as much as possible replacing your feelings of anger with acceptance of the entire situation because it doesn't sound like it's going to change or you can change it. So if can you bring a little more acceptance to the fact that it even exists?
3: I can try. Um, mm-hmm.
1: if, you c- if you can Well, this is
3: the thing. If you cannot change it, can you change it? Is it possible for you by some action that you can take change it is there something you can do to change it change this person yeah
1: or change your relationship to this person can you never see this person again can you ask somebody in the family i've
5: i've tried i've tried to not see this person again but you know, there's other family members who are ill. All right,
1: so it sounds like you can't change it. That's what Oprah right. was asking. Because so 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 if
3: you can't change it, then you're wasting time thinking, you know, worrying about the person being there and what are you going to do and so forth. If you can't change it, then the next thing to do is to accept it.
1: Mm-hmm. And acceptance isn't a kind of wimpy, let people walk all over me way of being. Acceptance is just being incredibly realistic. and getting with the program of what's going on Yeah,
3: recognizing what you can and cannot change and not spending a whole lot of energy wanting the person to be another way because that is wasting your energy and that's staying in your mind and letting your thoughts control you instead of being present with what is
1: every family has let's call your family member joe every family has a joe you're not in some uh, a unique situation. So you're going to have to accept that that person, fully accept that this is the person in my family, just like everybody else's family, and um, not spend, as Oprah says, a lot of time spinning your wheels around. If only he'd change. Yeah. He hurt me so much in the past. Look what he's still doing to he so and He needs to take so.
3: responsibility. He won't take responsibility. He's not going to. He's not going to, right.
1: Yeah. So I would say practice as much as possible acceptance and um, see what happens. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. If you do it twice, if you do it 40 times, just see what happens. Walk
3: in and give your love to Joe. Yep. Walk in and give your love to Joe. Be as nice to Joe as you possibly can muster yourself to be. Uh, bring yourself to be. And, and, and don't spend a lot of energy on yeah, Joe.
1: Exactly. Spend a lot of energy on everybody else and, and on yourself. Thanks a lot for calling. Um, we have another caller, whose name it looks like is Spring. Is this really your name, Spring? Yes, it really is. Yeah. That was well, your. My mother th- did that to me. <laughs> oh well, that's a great name. Thank you. Thanks. I love Spring.
3: We all do. We'd <laughs> yeah. like to have some in Chicago.
1: <laughs> We're We're, where are you? Here. Where are you calling from, Spring? King- Kingston,
6: Ontario, Canada. So. Oh, nice. So we uh-huh. have Spring here as well. So good what can we do for you this evening thanks for taking my call elizabeth and oprah i I just um i'm thinking a lot reflecting back on the webcast tonight and um it's interesting because tonight it was the first time i was mentioned around coincidences and um it's interesting because that's one of the things that i really tend to look for a lot in my life and my question is quite simply looking for some advice about how do we not overthink the coincidences Mm. that are there because i see them coming up and now it almost feels like I'm flying in the face of, of what I'm trying to practice, being present, because I start to analyze them and overthink them. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm wondering if either of you have experienced that, and if you have, what is it oh, that I, I like I,
3: to do? Yeah, I, I love do them. Those. I consider them little miracles. I, I actually, yeah. I used to keep a little miracle journal. I used to call it little, but I have so many journals. I have a gratitude journal, a miracle journal, and uh, I, I love it when, when they happen
1: hmm Yeah, but I do know what you mean by overthinking them. Um what like I don't.
3: What does she
6: mean? Well
1: what like tell us something that happened recently, Spring, that you think you're overthinking. Um boy,
6: coincidences happen so much. I mean I have I'll have um I'm just thinking of an example. I had a student call today about something, I'm a teacher and he called me about a job opportunity that he might have. And then sent me to a website to check this organization out, which then reflected like two or three times throughout my day, Mm the same company. And it was like, you know, why is that sort of keep on happening? So then I try to think, is there something more I should be trying to get out of this? Mm -hmm. Okay, uh,
1: well, that's the overthinking. It's like when they come, um, like Oprah said, I love when they happen. It's a a sense of, like, gratitude. Like, isn't the universe amazing? It's lining up for you. It's lining up. If you start thinking, well, does that mean then that I should actually leave my job and start working for the company that's on the internet that I keep, or should I? Uh, you can you can waste so much time oh. getting your mind involved that you then miss the miracle. Really, it's it, most of the time for me when these coincidences happen, they remind me of the beautiful fabric, the interwoven fabric of reality and how God's hand is in all of it. Yeah, they're little God whispers. It's so great when yeah. they happen. Yeah. They're usually just God whispers. Every now and then, they're more than that. They're like so stunningly obvious that it me- actually means, oh my, my goodness, I'm going to do X now instead of Y. Most of the time, for me at least, they're not like that. And I would wait to get my mind involved if I were you, only if something is like, so knocking you over the head with obviousness. Do you know what I mean, the difference yeah. between the little ones and then the huge ones? Um, because you're going to miss the huge one if you keep investing the little ones with your mind, like maybe I should do this, maybe I should do that. I would just use them as a little bell of gratitude and then move on.
6: I'll be okay with that.
1: Yeah. Okay, all right, that's good. Great. Thank you. So, Oprah, like... And have any great God whispers come your way? I get them
3: all the time, and I think it's great. Like I'll be thinking, "Gee, I wish I had some soup." I, God, I wish, I wish, I really wish I'd had some soup. I would really like a nice soup. And then I go home, and the housekeeper's made a pot of lentil soup. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say, "I want you to make lentil soup," because she could have made meatloaf or something else. I'll go home, and then there's a pot. Of, Gee, I was thinking. And that's exactly the soup I wanted. Mm-hmm. Little things like that happen all the time. Yeah, and
1: then you don't go. hmm, Maybe this means I should go on an all soup diet all <laughs> no, the time. I don't
3: think that at all. I think <laughs> it's so exciting when they happen. It means I usually do a little. Hmm. Thank you, because mm-hmm. it means that you're in alignment. That you're you're moving in the path that's you know best for you because things are lining up, syncing
1: yeah. up. I think things are always synced up, even if something happens you don't like. If you really paid attention, it's, it's a, the world is a bank of messages mm-hmm. and um, there it you just stay open and they're always available to us with wisdom, whether it comes through soup or difficult times. Um, I, I think God's always whispering in our ear.
3: I think so too. And especially, uh, I remember, yeah, I'm, yeah, I was keeping a journal at the beginning of this year and it just got to, got to be too difficult keeping all the various journals, but I was thinking about, um, cause I'm starting this network, uh, where we'll do live your best life kinds of shows all the time. And I'm looking for a CEO and I was trying to think, well, gosh, who can I use for CEO? And I went, I actually had finished doing one of my uh, radio shows and I went back to my office and there was a call from somebody I hadn't heard from in three years. I thought. And I have a long list of, you know, at the end of the day, people who've called. I think, I'm going to call that person. I call that person who's on the list, and they wanted to tell me about, you know, some can some person, was a, two people that he thought would be great as a candidate mm-hmm. for, you know, being CEO for the network. I was thinking the thought here, and 10 minutes later, I go and there's a phone call mm-hmm. from somebody saying, you know what? I think this person would be great for you. And Why that, don't you look at this person? Th- that... That kind of thing And happens. that's
1: really about being present in the moment, not resisting what comes your way. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then
3: uh, the name of that same person came up two or three times. So I think, okay, that means I maybe should call that person.
1: Oh, I, I want to read a quote from um, this chapter that, um, to me, I feel like if people take anything away from our 10-week webinar and they took this away, Uh, This would be enough for me. And I want to hear what you think about this. It's from page 269. And uh, Eckhart writes, when you meet with people at work or home or wherever it may be, give them your fullest attention. You're no longer there primarily as a person, but as a field of awareness, of alert presence. The original reason for interacting with that person, buying or selling something, requesting or giving information and so on, that becomes secondary. The field of awareness that arises between you becomes the primary purpose for the interaction. It doesn't mean you neglect whatever needs to be done on a practical level. In fact, the doing unfolds not only more easily, But more powerfully, when the dimension of being is acknowledged, the arising of that unifying field of awareness between human beings is the most essential factor in relationships on the new earth. And I know, like, for example, after this is over, I'll get in a cab and go back to the hotel I'm staying in. Mm -hmm. And if I give my full awareness to the person who's driving me... Mm -hmm. So many of those God whispers can happen. Who knows what we can discover, this driver and myself. And if we all did that every moment of the day with whomever within, you don't have to get into big, long conversations, but just eye contact, really showing up for other people.
3: People fall in love with you when that happens. Do you know that? That is so powerful. I mean, there are a few people that I could name. I mean, famous people uh, that you all would know who have a way of engaging you so that you feel like in the moment with them that you're the most important person in the world. That's right. And when that happens, that level of engagement, that one-on-one, um, 100% being present energy, when that happens, you can't help but walk away feeling really great.
1: That's right. Really great. And and doing that with strangers and doing that with the real Chunky people in our life, yeah. The difficult people, our children, relationships clean up when we bring presents to them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what what are people going to do when this is all over? Our Monday night web well, class as someone and said radio tonight, classes. Was, I
3: think it was Laurie from uh, I forgot where. One somewhere I forget where everybody's skyping from. Well, uh, what we're going to do is begin um, with our Soul Series being aired on the web uh, beginning May 12th after our final webcast with Mr. Uh, Eckhart Tolle. Jill Bolte-Taylor will be our guest. You, 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 you saw that interview I did with her. I did. It I'm was telling fantastic. you, anybody who is listening to us now, if you're listening to this and you have watched the webcast with Eckhart Tolle, you are going to be so fascinated in a really more practical kind of way i think because what happened to jill bolte taylor uh, dr jill bolte taylor uh, none of us wants to experience through a stroke but what happened to her is the manifestation of what eckhart tolle is talking about in a new earth because her left brain um went dead literally She had a stroke in the left hemisphere of her brain and that's the, you know, cognitive part of the brain that picks up language and things and identifies objects and all of that. And the right part of the brain was still functioning and she was left with this, you know, overall sense of peace and connectedness to all that is. Mm -hmm. She experienced that nirvana or bliss that is God and uh, talks about it. From a scientific point of view, you can hear a personal story by visiting TED dot org, and then um, coming to watch our webcast interview with her Monday, May twelfth at eight PM. Mm-hmm. And so we have a series. You are are one of our uh, interviewees, one of the people that will be on our soul series, and as well as Wayne Dyer and um, John Cabot zinn and many other spiritual mm-hmm. teachers. So I will continue Monday nights throughout the yeah, summer. Yeah, I
1: see it as. Um, our deep immersion into this course, because we all really went very deeply into this book together. Yes, We read the book, we reread the book, and then we did the workbook. And and so that set up a wonderful ground for these new teachers to come in. We've got a a good way of listening to them now. We've learned about getting our ego out of the way. We've learned about opening up. And so... Now Oprah's going to offer us lots of other teachers who bring different flavors into the mix. That's
3: right. All really saying the same thing in different ways. Yeah. Saying the same thing in different ways. It all leads to the path that is one.
1: And how great that we have different flavors in the ice cream shop isn't that great yeah thank you for joining us tonight it's been a pleasure
0: you've been listening to an encore presentation of a new earth on oprah and friends be sure to join us every monday at 9 p.m in the east for a new live on-air worldwide classroom with oprah and spiritual teacher eckhart tolle to register for the web event and for more information on a new earth go to oprah.com